It's the day after the Eugenio Suarez trade, and there's still a lot to talk about, like Sebi Zavala being all but confirmed to be the Mariners' backup catcher in 2024. So how do we feel about that instead of a reunion with Tom Murphy? Plus, despite reports saying Luis Urias is lined up to be the team's everyday third baseman in 2024, it looks like they might actually be sniffing around on other options in the market. And finally, with Suarez and Murphy gone, the Mariners have lost a ton of leadership in the clubhouse. So how do they fill that void? We'll discuss on today's Thanksgiving episode of the Locked On Mariners podcast. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ahoy, sailors. It is Thursday, November 23rd, 2023. Happy Thanksgiving to those who celebrate. And thank you so much for taking the time out of your activities to join us today. This is Tiding as Alice and Colby Patton for the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube, or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you're part of the crew and rock with us every single day, let us know in the comments below. We'd love to hear from you. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. You can now get a free seven-day trial to check out the show. The link, as well as our social accounts, is in the description of this episode. So, on the show today, we'll be covering the aftermath of the Eugenio Suarez trade and tying up some loose ends that we weren't able to get to during yesterday's reaction episode, like the Mariners seemingly addressing their backup catcher spot, Jameer Candelario being mentioned as a third base option for the Mariners by John Morosi, and how the Mariners have lost a good amount of leadership with the departures of Suarez and Tom Murphy. Uh, this is going to be a pretty chill show. So, you know, grab a plate, grab a drink. Let's talk some ball for the next 30 or so minutes. Uh, we're going to start here with the uh, the catcher situation, Colby. Uh, Sebi Zavala looks to be all but confirmed to be the Mariners' backup catcher in 2024. Jerry DePoto pretty much said as much uh, in his press release following the Suarez trade. Uh, said, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but I, I think he pretty much said that the uh, the expectation is, is that Savala and uh, Raleigh are going to team up to make up that uh, that catching unit for the Mariners, at least uh, you know by opening day. So that means that the door is pretty much all but closed on Tom Murphy, on a potential return for Tom Murphy. So what do you think about that? I think that while Ty may love Thanksgiving, I'm the only one with a Seattle Mariners Thanksgiving hat. As you can That's see, right. but That's right. uh, as for the backup catcher situation, um, I think there is a small chance that Murphy could be back. Uh, Sebi Zevi, as much as I love him already, uh, no guarantee to make the opening day roster. It's not a big deal if he doesn't. Um, but uh, I, I think there's a, a outside shot that Tom Murphy goes out looking for his starting catcher job the league looks at a 32 33 year old with the with declining defense who can't stay healthy and says hmm, thanks but no thanks and if everybody's offering a catch up or a backup catcher job and nobody's willing to go too much above the minimum it might make sense for Tom Murphy to come back to Seattle to be the backup catcher on a near minimum deal so there's a, there is an outside shot that he comes back i mean you can't really rule it out until he signs elsewhere but it, we can more or less uh rule it out so um, yeah, you know, I, I wish Tom a lot of luck, uh, if he, if he does go elsewhere, but you can certainly understand where the Mariners are coming from. Murphy has been really good when he's been able to play, but I think he played what 14 games in 2022 and like 43, 44 games last year. Mm. Just, you can't, you can't even rely on the guy to be a backup. He's going to get hurt as the backup catcher. So you, you can't, you know, it, it's fun. You, 
we don't want to run Cal into the ground, but you don't want to give, you know, Brian O'Keefe and Luis Turin's 20 starts in two months. So you have to find a solution. You have to be willing to kind of absorb that uh, inevitable Tom Murphy loss. And so I think it makes sense to go out and get Zavala, a guy who's, you know, been healthier uh, than Murphy, who at least brings, you know, I, I think we can say elite defense behind the plate uh, and does have some offensive upside. He does have good pull power. He did have one year in a 70 game sample where he was a good hitter. He was almost a two one player in 2022. Um, so I, I get it. I totally get it from the Mariner standpoint. Um, and in a vacuum, if you're telling me it's Zavala, uh, Sebi Zevi for the league minimum or Murphy for, I don't know, four or 5 million bucks. I totally understand why the Mariners were like, no, we'll just go this route. Um, and the Mariners also protected themselves from, you know, Zavala if he if he doesn't hit at all. They went out and they got Blake Hunt, so they have improved their catcher depth, uh, certainly, uh, in the high minors. So, um, yeah, I, I, I totally get why the Mariners would do this. Um, you know, I understand wh- why they're comfortable with Zavala being the backup uh, to start the year. And, and I understand why they might look at Tom Murphy and just be like, we just, we can't do this again. Like we can't continue to, you know, rely on Murphy. And then by extension, because we rely on Murphy, now we have to rely on, on Brian O'Keefe and Luis Torrens and, you know, Jacob Nottingham. Like I, I totally get why they decided to just go with some, some safety because again, even if Zavala doesn't hit, and you just kind of roll with that backup catcher for a few months until you feel like Blake Hunt is ready or until you feel like, you know, there's a better option out there for you. At the very least, he's going to give you elite defense. And that is not nothing from the catcher position. Yeah. So yesterday I said at the end of the show that I think you could actually make a strong argument that the Mariners upgraded their backup catcher position. And that to me though, says a bit more about, the state of Tom Murphy rather than Zavala. And it's not a diss on Murphy, but he's been oft injured. He's coming off of another injury shortened season. He's going to play most of 2024 at age 33. And his primary value is that he gives you above average offensive production from a position that doesn't really feature that. Mm -hmm. You don't get a lot of that. There are very few catchers in the league that, produce offensively especially at the level that we've seen from murphy over about almost 500 plate appearances over three good seasons 2019 the 14 games in 2022 and then uh this year uh this past season and again that's that's a pretty small sample size though spread out over the course of you know four years really so um i my concern really is is Murphy going to be able to sustain that level of offense uh, at age 33, given the injuries? And, sure. you know, more specifically, and obviously this wouldn't be the case in Seattle, unless, you know, Cal Raleigh unfortunately went down. But if he does get a starting job elsewhere, is he going to get overexposed? So yeah. th- those are really my concerns with Murphy and why I think, you know, it, it might not have been as much of a slam dunk as even I thought bringing him back that maybe it didn't make as much sense. Now that, now that we have the context of the Mariners are, are likely moving on here, that Savala is going to be the backup catcher in 2024. Now that we have that, I have thought deeper about it. 
come to the realization that it's just there's a lot of concerns about murphy there are a lot of flaws with the murphy idea uh, and again that's that's nothing against tom murphy it's just kind of the reality of the situation it's the unfortunate reality of of his injury history and you know he's getting older now and he's not a good defender he hasn't been a good defender for a while last year he really struggled in controlling the run game he allowed 27 stolen bases on 28 attempts and that's been an underrated flaw of the Mariners for a while now is controlling opponents run games and that's obviously not just a catcher issue right that's also a, a pitcher issue um but I think it's something that that Zavala can help them with a bit now that's not particularly the the strongest part of his defensive profile either uh he's been below average in terms of things like pop time uh, but I, I think it's something that it's it's still definitely an improvement from what Murphy was giving you. And Zavala gives you just a, a more traditional backup catcher situation. You know, I think for the last few years, we've we've been kind of with the catching situations in Seattle since basically 2019 when they had Omar Narvaez and Austin Nola and Tom Murphy, where they had these highly offensive productive catchers, which is not normal that's no, that's very very unique to have what the mayors have had lately um and you know look at the end of the day cal raleigh is going to be doing mostly catching uh zavala is probably only going to start for you you know a couple times a week um you know at, at most he's probably starting 65 to 70 games if all things go well uh, in 2024 i don't really have high expectations for him offensively I know he had the good, year, the really good year in 2022, but I don't think that's anything that you should be banking on. If I had to guess, he's probably a 70 to 80 WRC plus guy uh, for, in 2024, which, whatever. That's most backup catchers. And right, with, the, the, the defense, way that you overcome... Probably still, yeah. With his defense, that's probably still a one-win player. Still a one-win player. That's still a fine bench piece to have. That's still a fine backup catcher. Um, and... You know, the way that you overcome having the, the black hole in your lineup, you know, a couple times a week, build a lineup that can survive that. So you do that. You can you can live with that if you build a, a quality enough lineup. So, um, yeah, it's just, to me, it's just, you know, they're, they're going to a more traditional catching situation. Fine. And if it and if it helps them make, make more strides defensively and helps them address uh, a very key flaw of theirs defensively, which Cal was obviously very good at in the second half of this year. Um, if he can carry that over into 2024 and Zavala can give them a little bit of a boost in that regard compared to Murphy, then I think they have upgraded uh, at backup catcher. But it really, I think it all boils down to what you value the most from your backup catcher. Sure. Uh, I would just, you know, don't don't sleep on uh, on Zevi's uh, bat. You know, if, if it's anywhere near 100, that's not a black hole. So, um, and again, I would also add, don't sleep on Blake Hunt. That's a pretty important acquisition acquisition here. Uh, that's a guy who's close to major league ready, if not major league ready. And he profiles a lot like Tom Murphy, you know, plus power. Um, there's some questions about whether or not he can, you know, put up a good average, whether or not he can, you know, he's a, it's power overhead and, and he's a pretty good defender though. Uh, unlike Tom, but that's pretty much the profile of Tom Murphy, when he was coming up as well. So they could be looking at this going like, Hey, look, we have Zavala uh, as, as the backup plan here, but there's a non-zero chance if Blake Hunt comes up and he's basically Tom Murphy just, you know, for $4 million less. So 
We'll see. Sure. But I feel okay with where, where the Mariners catchers are right now, where they're at in that position. And I also wouldn't be shocked if they added somebody like Austin Nola on a minor league deal uh, to get yeah. him into spring training. Yeah. Again, you know, Murphy's value comes from the bat. And if the bat isn't going to be present, he's not really a valuable piece because of the defense, yeah. because of the lapses in his defense. So uh, I think from that perspective, it's fine. Again, I, I think the argument here more is it ha- says more about the state of Tom Murphy rather than Zavala. Uh, I think, you know, you replace Zavala with any, you know, defensively catcher and the the fact remains the same, essentially. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, maybe there is some upside there in the in Zavala's bat. I mean, again, he's one year removed from posting a one ten WRC plus. He was a what a two and a half win player that year, two win player in like sixty or so games. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. Two wins in sixty games is awesome. So if you're able to get that, awesome. But my general expectations are, you know, you're probably just going to get a more traditional catching situation, and that's fine. That's totally fine. You're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen here on Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. And as a reminder, once again, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. So, there was a tweet yesterday, Colby. I won't call it a report. I am not going to dignify it as a report because I have a feeling that it's not, but we're going to mention it. John Morosi, he's he's talked about the Mariners a lot. Obviously, he goes on the radio in, in Seattle. He goes on 710. I, I do think that he does talk to people within the Mariners organization. I do think that he has some information and some insight on the Mariners. Uh, but he mentions a lot of players when it comes to the Mariners. He's mentioned uh, just this year. He's mentioned J.D. Martinez and Yoshinobu Yamamoto and now Jameer Candelario. Uh, he says that uh, Jameer Candelario could be an option for the Mariners at third base uh, following the Gino Suarez trade. Now, that could be based off of multiple things. It could be that he's actually hearing, like, yeah, the Mariners are having conversations with Candelario in his camp, and they're they're thinking about it. Or it could mean Morosi saw the Gino trade, and then, you know, was thinking of who are some third basemen who are available. Oh, Jameer Candelario, that could be an option, and just tweeted it. So. We don't really know what this is based off of. Um, this could be nothing. Yes. And very you know, intentional obvi- wording. Yeah, and there's obviously the and there's obviously the Daniel Kramer report yesterday that uh, he was told by someone within the organization that the Geno trade clears the path for Luis Urias to be the everyday starting third baseman in Seattle in 2024. So maybe that's actually what the plan is there. We don't know. Uh, we've talked obviously quite a bit about uh, a potential platoon there with Josh Rojas and, and Urias. Um, but if they are looking to aim bigger here, if they are looking at Jameer Candelario, what do you think about that possibility? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, it's also worth noting that Candelario, uh, the, the desire for Urias, if this is their true desire to be the starting third baseman and signing Jameer Candelario, those can both coexist at the same time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Candelario, his defensive metrics a little bit all over the place. Uh, at third base last year with Washington, he was really good. 
Then he went to the Cubs and he was really bad. Which is uh, so weird. You know, it's so it weird. Is. And like in 2022, he was really bad at third. In 2020 or 2021, he was really good. So it's kind of tough to say. Uh, but, you know, if, if you believe in Perry Hill, uh, as much as some of you claim you do, then shouldn't be a problem, right? But uh, yeah, he can also play first base. He does have a lot of experience there and you yep. still do have at bats to give in the DH spot. So, yep. um, for, so yeah, just put that out there. Like both can be true. The Mariners can view Urias as, as their starting third baseman and still be interested in Candelario. Um, yeah. As for the fit, Candelario is certainly interesting one. Uh, if sir, it sure does look like 2022 was the outlier season, something somebody predicted last winter, not to name names or anything, but uh sure. Or pat yourself on the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But don't, don't uh your UCL doing it. Sure. But uh yeah. So I, I think Candelario is a pretty good fit. Uh the power that he has seems to play pretty well at T Mobile if you look at ballpark factors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh but it's not 30 home run power. You're you're hoping for 20 bombs, maybe 25 if everything goes well. But he's gonna hit a lot of doubles. He's a line drive hitter. Uh, he peppers the gaps. He's going to slug probably in the 440 to 470 range, somewhere in that. It's going to be a lot of doubles and, you know, 15 to 20 ish home runs, maybe 25. Uh, he's going to hit for a pretty good average, probably in the 250 to 270 range. Draws enough walks, doesn't strike out a ton. Like he's just a solid hitter. He is a 15 to 20% above league average hitter, which is something the Mariners could use. He's not a star. You're, you're not signing an all star here. Um, he's a switch hitter, uh, which obviously helps with, you know, lineup balance and stuff like that. So it's a really yeah. interesting fit. I, I think it makes sense. And I think there's a possibility Candelario is a guy who's, you know, three years, 45 million bucks, like in that range, or it could be something like five and, and 90 if, if the market right. is what it is. Obviously, you know, you, you're not interested in, in, uh, Candelario if he gets to approaching a hundred million dollars, but if you can get him for. 50 million bucks, give right. or take. I, right. I think he makes a lot of sense. I think he's he's a good I he's a better hitter than Guriel Jr., who's kind of another name that's been floated out there. Guriel Jr. just fits a little bit better because he's an outfielder. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think that you're roughly looking at, you know, the same style of hitter. Not a, not a, not a guy who's going to hit 35 home runs playing it in in Seattle, but a guy who's probably going to hit around 18 to 25, somewhere in that range, but put up good batting average, not strike out. Right. Uh, and just kind of lengthen the lineup a little bit. Well, and if, you know, say you do sign him and he is your third baseman and then you're platooning uh, Urias and Rojas over at second, um, you know, Urias obviously has 20 plus home run potential there. So you're making up for some of the lack in power from Candelario's side of things at third base over at second base with a position that doesn't really produce a ton of power output. So um, that's kind of the, the general idea there. Uh, Candelario is a switch hitter um, averages this past year, pretty much the same from both sides of the plate, uh, a little bit more over the wall power output from the left side of the plate. Um, but like you said, it's, you know, it's a Seattle. more, yeah. Yeah. Which is a really good fit for Seattle. Uh, he's walking, you know, 9.2% of the time this past year, career 9.6% walk rate. Uh, career uh, strikeout rate of 23 and a half percent. That's totally fine. Take that. Take that all day long. Um, yeah. And, and like you said, you know, he's seems to be good for about 40 doubles. He's done it essentially twice now in his career 42 in 2021, 39 last year. 
Also added three triples, 22 home runs this past year. That's a lot of extra base hits. So he's not just mm-hmm. a contact-oriented hitter who just hits for a lot of singles. He is hitting for power. So, uh, yeah, I really like that idea. Uh, I really like the Candelario idea. I think he's a good fit for the ballpark. I think he's a good fit for this roster build, where this roster is right now. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, and for that reason, I'm hoping that this Morosi tweet is a bit more tangible. You know, there's actually, like, some smoke here. Uh, that it's not just like, hey, he's available. The Mariners, you know, on the outside looking in, you know, third baseman. So <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, it, the nice thing about Candelario is that he is a he is an everyday hitter. You don't have to platoon him. You don't have to, you know, put another player on the roster uh, to, you know, kind of protect yourself there. And you kind of already did with Urias and Rojas. Uh, so there's very little risk uh, of, you know, non-performance. You look back at 2021, he was actually a 124 WRC plus against lefties or sorry, against righties, uh, which is, you know, obviously the side you care more about. Uh, you look at what he did in, in 2022. Uh, this is the one uh, that kind of skewed his career numbers because he's a career 99 WRC plus against right-handed pitching, but he was 124 in 2021. Last year it was 75. Uh, so that's a pretty drastic, uh, bump down, but then you look at what he did this year against right-handed pitching. Uh, he posted a 118 WRC mm. plus. So yeah. 123, 75, 118, which one seems like the outlier. Uh, yeah. he, he's a guy that you you can put in your lineup every day. He's, you probably want him hitting fifth or sixth in a really good lineup. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. he, again, switch hitter perfectly fine from both sides of the plate, some power output uh you know mostly doubles that type of stuff and about league average strikeout rates and and walk rates he's a solid player he's a solid player yeah good Uh, player he certainly helps you and he's i would say he's a pretty safe bet to give you at least three wins assuming the defense is somewhere in the middle of of what he's been so and i mean in 2021 he was almost a 4-1 player 3.8 f4 like Mm -hmm. so this last year's definitely there's definitely upside there for him to be, you know, knocking on the door of, uh, of all-star, you know, production. So sure. 2022 just based on everything looks like the outlier, uh, here. So I'm, I'm not too concerned about that. Uh, And he's 30. So, I mean, or he'll be 30 in in tomorrow, I think is his birthday. So, uh, I think if you could get him for three years, somewhere in the 14 to 17 million a year range, I, I think I'm all on, I think I'm, uh, I think I'm, you know, pretty darn interested at that point. Yep. Yep. You're listening to the Lockdown Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen here on Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. And as a reminder, once again, Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel on YouTube. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24 7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. So lastly, before we get out of here and uh, let you guys go back to your Thanksgiving activities, if you got anything going on today, uh, the Mariners have lost a fair amount of leadership in their clubhouse with the Geno trade. Uh, and like we talked about earlier, it seems like the door is pretty much closed on Tom Murphy returning. I know you, you kind of left the possibility out there of maybe, you know, but, uh, yeah, very, very small chance, but Hey, you never know, but it seems right now that the, uh, 
the Mariners are going to uh, to lose at least two of uh, their their greatest leaders in, in their clubhouse. Guys that uh, the the clubhouse really really respects. Um, you know, with Gino, I think back to the uh, series that they had in Anaheim, where someone in the stands clearly said something that crossed the line to Julio, and Julio kind of lost it. And Gino was able to reel him back in. You know, I thought that was a really cool moment. Gino obviously had a major impact. I mean, you if you're on Twitter, if you're on Instagram, Gino obviously had a major impact on um, a lot of his teammates. A lot of them have come out and said some really, really nice things about Gino uh, over the last 24 or so hours. Um, so that's a that's a major loss. And we've said it for the last couple of years that Tom Murphy is kind of one of those underrated leaders, like one of those underrated clubhouse guys that everyone loves and uh, now it doesn't seem like he's coming back either so uh, we talked about this a little bit yesterday towards the end that we we wanted to go over this some more that um you know how do you how do you fill that void like is there is it just players within the organization already within that you know on that 26 man roster already is it is this now you know the time for someone like Julio to step up and be more of a leader is it time for someone like Cal Raleigh, who already seems to be a, a leading voice in that clubhouse with, you know, mm-hmm. like what he said about the the front office at the end of the season? Um, do you go get Carlos Santana? Right. Or do you or do you need to replenish that from the outside? Right. Is it not mm-hmm. just guys needing to step up within the organization? Is it also that you need more of a veteran presence or a leadership presence within that clubhouse? So what do you think? Sure. Um it's also worth noting that you know Seattle has lost a relevant leader in their clubhouse uh, pretty much every year for the last four yeah. or five years. Uh, they lost you know Kyle Seeger, then they lost Mitch Haniger, then they lost Carlos Santana. Uh, mm-hmm. Now they're losing you know Gino and and Murphy, and we've seen guys step up every single time somebody's you know left. Uh, we've seen other players step up, and and most notably JP Crawford. Um, yep. Sometimes there's nothing wrong with getting new voices uh, in, into your, into your clubhouse. Uh, I'm not telling you that the players love it today. They certainly don't. Uh, but the players also understand the business of baseball. Like this stuff happens, you know, your, your friend gets traded, your friend signs a a free agent deal. Like there's going to be changes. And while the players may not like it in the moment, eventually they recognize that, look, this is the business I've chosen and, you know, stuff like this happens. And in the meanwhile, you, you hope that that void doesn't go unfilled. It's a lot easier to, you know, digest a trade like this than it was say the Paul Seawall trade, who's also a leader right, uh, in that clubhouse and in that bullpen in particular. And, and that kind of came out of nowhere. And, and as far as we know, nobody really emerged, uh, you know, out of that bullpen to kind of take the reins of that group. Uh, it's also, by the way, something that apparently Robbie Ray is yeah. like, a big part of, and, and obviously he wasn't around last year because he was because of his injury. So, um, you know, part of that is, is guys coming back like Ray, uh, but part of it is, is guys stepping up. And, and I think if you're Seattle, I think you want to make something abundantly clear. Um, and it, it's, you know, what type of, of player we, we want to be like the, in the leadership team right part of the leadership structure and it has to come from the players this isn't something that scott can can fix this isn't something that you know you could just hire ichiro or nelson cruz and like oh yeah no the clubhouse is awesome now like that that's not how this works the players have to dictate this but to me if i'm the mariners and i've seen all this leadership go and and i'm looking to kind of try and like reestablish some kind of culture 
in my clubhouse. I think yeah. you pick the guy and you say, this is the guy, this is the guy. And you give him the captain ship, the first captainship in Mariners history. And that guy to me is clearly JP Crawford. I think Agreed. it's time. I think it's time you put the C on his Jersey. Uh, you know, and, and typically, you know, these things are, are more symbols than anything. Like nobody has to tell you that Derek Jeter is the captain, right? Everybody knows right. it, but you put the C on the Jersey and then whatever, it's just an honor, just an extra thing. But I think it's time. I think it's time to 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 make it clear to your clubhouse, to your uh, fan base that like this is the guy. Like this is the guy that we are going to battle with. This is the guy whose personality is you know emblematic of of what we want our clubhouse to be. And you reward him for that. They rewarded him with a contract extension when they really didn't have to, and he rewarded them with a great season. Now it's time to go back and and you know empower him officially. Mm -hmm with the organization's blessing, not just the clubhouse's blessing, uh, that this is the guy. So I think that's part of it. And, and yeah, I, I do think I wouldn't be shocked if the Mariners made a couple moves, uh, where you go, Oh, that that's a clubhouse guy. Like we know that that's a clubhouse guy. Right, uh, right. and you know, it, it doesn't have to be Carlos Santana, but like somebody like Carlos Santana who walks mm -hmm. in the room and immediately everybody goes, okay, like this guy's yeah. the real maybe, deal. You know, maybe Justin Turner is that guy. I don't know a ton about Justin Turner. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know if he's actually that guy, but I'm just thinking sure, of like, right. you know, veteran, veteran Andrew players McCutcheon. who's been there, done that. Andrew yeah. McCutcheon, uh, J.D. Martinez, maybe, sure. you know. Just guys that are resume is just like. Yeah. It, guys that have been there, just, they've done that. They've won World Series. They know what it takes to do mm -hmm. that. You know, and and I do think that that stuff does get overblown to a certain degree by the average yeah. fan, but it does matter. It does matter. We know the impact of, you know, Carlos Santana and what that had on on guys like Julio, right? Like mm -hmm. that's undeniable. That's an undeniable fact. What what Santana's presence did for that clubhouse, and what guys like Tom Murphy and Mitch Haniger and Kyle Seeger have done for that clubhouse. So, um. Yeah, so I, I think it's it's probably something that they're they're gonna have to do a little bit, uh, at least in on the fringes this offseason at some point. Um, I don't think it's because I, I again like they do have guys, they do have leaders there. They have JP mm -hmm. Cal's already coming into his own in that regard, and you know there's probably some other guys in there as well that we don't even know about that are actually because I mean like we didn't know about Tom Murphy until maybe like a year and a half ago, two years ago that he was actually like a big voice in that clubhouse didn't know about Robbie Ray until, you know, this yeah. fall. So by the way, speaking of Robbie Ray, I thought it was cool that, you know, he was, he was in the, he was in the clubhouse. He was in the dugout well after his injury. Uh, you know, we saw him mm -hmm. quite a few times down there, you know, and when guys, especially guys that get paid and all that, who suffer these injuries, they just go off and they disappear for months and months on end. Like Robbie was there. Uh, so that, that to me is really cool. I mean, Jesse Winker didn't even show up to the Mariners home playoff game. So, right. You know, uh, a lot of times these guys just, they want to get out. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think for me, it's important that like every kind of position group has like their guy, like their dog. And yeah. then you kind of have like the one like overarching, like this is the, this is the guy I'm going to follow. Uh, yeah. and to me that overarching guy and, and the guy, you know, who also is his position group, like that could be the same guy. So JP can be like, the captain and also be the leader of, of the infielders, right? Like yeah. he can take that mantle. Uh, but Seattle, I don't think they have that guy in the bullpen yet. Maybe it emerges, yeah. maybe it's brash, maybe it's Munoz, or maybe they go get somebody. Um, I think Cal is, is stepping up and, and he'll take that Murphy mantle just fine. Obviously Robbie is incredibly important to the starting pitching uh, staff. And, and so I, I think they need a guy. And they, like and they the still pen. have Marco. They still have Marco as yep. well. 
for now. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's certainly one of those guys, but uh, I think mm-hmm. they need a guy like that in the pen. And I, I think they need just, you know, obviously better oh. players, but it would be. I wonder if sauce but, could be that guy. I feel like there has to be like some level of certainty with sure. it. Like, like this guy's like, it has to be a high club. It has to be a high leverage dude. Not necessarily, but it's gotta be like, like this is a dog. Like not, not somebody who's like, this could be triple a depth. Like, I, I don't think that that plays that well when it's like that guy could be in Tacoma in, in two weeks. Like I think it's gotta be somebody established, somebody who, uh, you know, sets the tone and, and that's what Seawald definitely did. Uh, cause I don't think Seawald came up like when Seawald came up for the first couple months, I don't think he was that guy. <laughs> I think he was just trying to survive. Um, I think he grew into that guy and, that, and that's the thing, right? We sit here and say they need to go get somebody. Maybe they have that person. Maybe it is Matt Brash. Maybe it's Justin Topa. Like we, we don't know who it is. Yeah. Um, but I think they need it. I, I think they need to some degree, they need a guy, uh, pretty much at every position group. And I, I think they're pretty much covered except for the bullpen. And, and then hopefully, you know, uh, it, and it's tough to be that guy when you're not playing. Like it, it's real easy for Robbie to like, Hey, come on guys, you got this. But if he's not out there and he's not grinding with those players, you're not quite as effective as you are, uh, when you're, when you're going to battle with them. So, right. Cause, cause uh, work ethic and all that stuff that, that like being able to see it, that obviously adds validity right. that adds integrity to to you so i'm not uh, too worried about the location and that and that thing though because like gilbert is certainly the type of guy who could step into that that role nobody works harder than logan gilbert luis yeah i mean just different uh type of leadership skills and and again you you don't want 26 leaders right like you got to be very selective but that's why i think putting the 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 captain's crest on on jp's crawford is like he's the arbiter jp's crawford I mean, JP Crawford is that guy, like <laughs> put the C Crawford. on his chest, let him be that guy, let him be the voice. Yeah. And then your leadership structure kind of flows down from there. Like you, you don't need everybody to talk to the media and be like, that's on me. That's on me. And it's just like, no, you, you just need that one, one or two guys and you need the clubhouse guy. Like it's a very, it's a very, uh, it, it's simultaneously an underrated part of team building and also horribly overrated by fans in right, general. Right. Right. Like, the Mariners like aren't going to lose eight. They're not going to you know lose ninety games now because the players are so mad that Gino got traded. Like that's not going to happen, right? I, I I think like the vibes. I mean, I don't know what they were like after the Seawald trade. Obviously not good, but I don't know if they were necessarily worse than like the Graveman trade because uh, that seemed Mar- bad. And the Mariners like, played seemed- better baseball after both of those trades happened. Yeah, yeah. So they're yeah, not always so, connected like people try to make it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think in ways sometimes that actually gets players to rally together more. Um, you know, it against, depends. You know, yeah, and it also depends world. on the it depends on the the makeup of the clubhouse and all that. But I think the the mayors have a very strong foundation um, there already with guys like JP and Cal. Um, so, yep. yeah, I, I don't think that it's something that necessarily has to be a priority. Uh, but I think it is something that the Mariners are, are going to address in, to some degree uh, at some point this offseason. It's probably going to be you know more so towards the end when they're doing like their their, their final tweaks to to the major league right. roster. You know after they've done most of their heavy lifting, and maybe again you know maybe it's someone like Carlos Santana who I think is probably going to last a, a while on on the market. So yeah, I I really do think and this is the last thing we got to go just specifically yeah. about Santana. I think the Mariners were 
they were open to bringing Santana back next last year. I, I really do. Mm-hmm. I think that they were totally fine with him being the DH and playing some first base. Uh, but Pittsburgh came in like November and gave him six million dollars. And at that point, yeah, he like, signed I mean, early. Yeah, yeah, and and it's just like. I think they were willing to do that at like two, three million bucks. I think that's what, yeah. they got. and I think that's probably what he's worth right now. So yeah, if they do the, that the, fine, but it, it doesn't have to be Santana. It just, I feel like that's a guy who's worked in the clubhouse before he makes a little bit of sense, like in the structure of your roster. And, um, I, I you know, he's just the first guy that comes to my mind when I think of like just really good leadership clubhouse. Well, guys. it's because we know it's, it's because we know, yeah. you know, and like, yeah, it's again, he like, was fine last year. Like he was just a Turner in theory could be that guy, but I don't know. I've, you know, right. I haven't intently, you know, watched a team that Justin Turner has been on. Right. So I don't the, like the players that I know are like the clubhouse vibe slash like actual leader types mm-hmm. are McCutcheon and Santana. Yeah. Those are the only ones I know. There are probably a lot more out there. Yeah. Those yeah, are the two absolutely. that I know that are available right now. Yeah. Yeah. From just from our like personal perspectives, like we just, like I'm not aware of like, yeah, clubhouse guys personally. Um, yeah, at least a lot of them. Um, unless they've don't. been in Seattle or like their reputation goes well beyond you know sure. where they play. Like Andrew McCutcheon, right? McCutcheon. Like yeah, or Joey Votto, right? Joey yeah. Votto is another guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not particularly interested in, in Votto because he's just he's definitely well on the decline. Love but, Joey Votto. Should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. No, I think he wants I, to play in Toronto too. I think he's going to try and make that work as as, as sure. much as he can. Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd rather have Santana though, just because he's yeah. actually a better bet to produce than Votto right now. Anyways, we went way too long. Ty, get us out of here. Right. You have a you have a question of the day, right? Are we oh, wait, we're today, saving, or we're we do- no, we're saving that for tomorrow. We're saving that for tomorrow. Okay. All right. Uh, if you're celebrating Thanksgiving, what are your Thanksgiving plans? Let us know in the comments or the the live chat here on the premiere. Let us know. Lame. Whatever. Whatever. Lame question. All right. That's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Lockdown Mares podcast. Uh, for Colby Panout, I'm Titan Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mares. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. It's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z. And Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. Have yourself a beautiful baseball day. And we'll see you next time. Peace.